Hello, you're listening to the KPMG Private Enterprise Insights for Entrepreneurs series. I'm Ian Keown. Today I'm joined by Susan Spence, the co-founder of the Irish financial software company Sofco. Now we're going to talk about lots of things today. We're going to talk about tactics for sales, about international expansion, about the changing nature of technology and how to build a business without giving away any equity. But before we do any of that, Susan, you might just give us a brief overview of the size and scale of your company. People mightn't have heard of the name, but they certainly have heard of your clients. Yeah, thank you very much. We have some fabulous customers like Lloyd's Bank in New York, Primark in about 17 countries, Volkswagen and John Lewis, for instance, in the UK. Our operations are global. We have offices in Finland. We manufacture our software there as well. And we have obviously offices in the UK, Ireland and in Boston uh, as well. Probably have about over 1.5 million users worldwide. And with the size of the organisation is probably about at the moment 140, 150 type people. I think our growth is both geographical and also through a kind of a partner channel. You mentioned there you've 1.5 million people using your product. How do you build that sort of sales pipeline? A very specific question, but how do you build that sales pipeline of having that calibre of roster of clients? How do you get them? But more importantly, how do you keep them happy? Uh, Great question. I think there's two things there, and this has changed over the years. In the past, you would have done the traditional thing where you'd invite them to your offices and you'd present your technology to them. Things have changed, and we've moved uh, from being very much more content-driven marketing approach where you're trying to attract organisations that are in the buying cycle. And a really good example of that was Toolstation in the UK. Um, They did a search for invoice matching, uh, came to us, filled out a form. Just and a that, very straightforward search. Absolutely. Invoice matching because they were looking at automating their invoice process. And the one of the key problems in invoice processing is matching invoices to purchase orders and then handling the receipting side of things. So that is one of the issues. And they're very large companies, so dealing with huge volumes. So they did that. And we had one of our my colleagues in the marketing department had written a blog on invoice matching and the issues surrounding that, which meant that it came up on the website and they came on, they downloaded the blog, they read it, they then registered on our website and that got converted from an inquiry to a customer which was about a half a million euro deal. Isn't it amazing how that's changed? You know, the days where people were taking out massive adverts and posters or mail order campaigns all over the world. Now it's more about inbound and trying to get people to come to you. Yeah, absolutely. And the key thing is, and what's changed, has been that we're trying to target organisations in the buying cycle. When you you say the buying cycle. Yeah, for example, in the past, we would have gone through a massive education process where we would have targeted organisations we think who need automation. And we would go and we'd educate them on uh, process automation and handling your, managing your procurement and managing your invoices. Now what we're doing is through the content approach and the marketing is we're um, targeting organisations who are ready to automate and they're coming to us and that, that is a key difference. Now the impact of that has been that instead of a sales cycle taking anything up to two, three years, we have it down now to six and a half months. That's been a significant change and significant impact on our sales process. Okay, so you bring the customer in, you reel them in, you go fishing, they they arrive. How do you keep them with you? My fishing's not very good, I'm afraid. But how do you keep them? How do you keep them with you? Well, I think how you keep them with you is the first thing is is what you're what you have is core to their business. So are you delivering true? 
uh, ROI? Are you things that are important to see? Like our customer is the CFO and the CFO wants to do two things. They want to auto- automate a bad process and then they want to have visibility over that process. To make so, sure it's working. To make sure it's working and to say, for example, one of, the, one of the key metrics is how many invoices go through the process without any human intervention. So that straight through, we call it straight through process, in some organisations is as high as 80% if their suppliers give them a purchase order. Other organisations, it's less than that. But that's what you're trying to achieve. And what a CFO is looking at is, have I achieved that? Because if I have, I reduce the cost to process in my invoices. And then the other thing they're looking at is, what is my spend? What is my spend profile? And how do I manage that? They're the things that CFOs are looking to do. You've expanded internationally, you've taken on an operation in Finland, you're expanding in the United States. How do you manage that expansion? Not just manage, but how do you decide which markets you're going to go into and then to make sure that you can integrate it properly? Well, the um, expansion into Finland, we had a partner there for many, many years, probably about 15 years, and they were a fantastic partner. We sold their products, they sold ours, and we ended up having a really good customer base in the Nordic region. Um, The people that worked for the partner organisation, they got bought by um, a Canadian company. And they weren't happy. And we said, look, why don't you join Softco? And it suited us time-wise. It was perfect because we were finding it very hard to hire developers in Ireland with a lot of the US corporates here. And these people we've been working with for a very long time and they're excellent at what they did. So we said to them, guys, go ahead, develop software for us. And we needed to bring out our next generation of technology. Finland is a great place for that because they're way ahead of any other uh, country. And um, they joined us. It was a super investment at the time. And they have delivered fantastic products to us. So that's how we started in Finland. And when you're looking at the United States, presumably it's much different culturally than what you're dealing with here. It is very different. And the approach you have to take obviously has to be different then as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're selling the same P2P product in each market, you know, be that the Nordics, the UK and Ireland or the US. But things are different and you have to be local in each market. So, for example, in the US, I was at a P2P conference earlier in the year and it was an amazing statistic, which was that 70% of businesses in the US still write checks. Now, the last time a check was written in Finland was in 1993. So there you see a complete difference in the development and the advancement in terms of how they use technology. So you, although the market's very, very different, we're selling the same product, but we have to have it local to those particular markets. You mentioned earlier about competing with staff to try and get people from Google and Facebook. And obviously they have massive, massive operations in Ireland with big perks. You go down there, there's fuzzball tables, there's beer, there's free food. You're trying to compete for the same quality of graduates as they are. How do you differentiate yourself? I think there's a number of principles that that you have within the organisation. The first one is that we take, for example, grads into the organisation and we give them a career path. We have a policy for promoting from within. And people can see, for example, the VP of sales in America came in as an intern to Softco a number of years ago. He worked his way through and he is our VP of sales in in the US. So we give people the opportunities to move upwards within the organisation and then also to work in our other divisions. I think also you need to be flexible. So uh, we've had uh, projects there where people are, we call it the M50 project, where people were sitting on the M50 and couldn't get to work. So we built a gym and I'm told our gym is one of the best gyms in Ireland. So 
we have people come in and, and use the gym and we have flexibility in terms of, of working hours. But equally in the US, you know, you get 10 days holidays. So we have offered European type benefits to our US employees. And that's made a difference in terms of attracting talent to your company. Yeah. Let me take you back 30 years ago because your company will be celebrating its 30th birthday next year. And congratulations on that. But what was the driver to set up your own business? Um, the driver to set up was a very long time ago, actually. I was only about four at the time, as you can probably imagine, 30 years ago. But um, I think the driver was, I think, in anybody's, um, when they set up a business, they see an opportunity in the market and they take uh, a risk. And that risk can either work or not work. So it's your first ever brave decision, which is, I'm going to set up a business. Um, I had come from a technology background. Jim had come from a, a sort of a and that's business. And your, that's your co-founder. Jim Coffey is the co-founder. And Jim's expertise expertise was in the area of finance and marketing and mine was more on the technology side. So it was a really good combination of skills. And when we got together, we actually said, what are we trying to create? And it's very important for startups to say that. What are you trying to create? What kind of business do you want? And there was a few principles we had at that stage. And one of them was we always wanted to be self-funding. We wanted to have control. Probably we're both control freaks, but we wanted to have control over the future of the business. We didn't want other people you know, determining what we do. So when we set Softco up, we had that principle. We were either going to succeed or fail based on did we sell our products? Did we provide great service to the customers? Things like that. So you're going to be self-revenue generating Correct. from the start. Because there is a tendency, particularly in technology and particularly in software firms, to come up with an idea and then to go raise a load of money from investors. Uh, you're diluting equity, but you're giving yourself that cash buffer. You, you you didn't dilute your equity, but you didn't probably didn't have that cash buffer at the start either. No, we didn't. And again, you have to remember, 30 years ago, there was no Enterprise Ireland, you know, for, for, for grants and things like that. Um, there were no uh, VCs rushing to, to give you money. So you just had to be far more resilient at that particular time. And that was one side of it. I think the other side of it is that I'd be cautious with people raising huge, amount, huge amounts of money. Sometimes they can think, well, I've made it because somebody has invested in me but to be honest as with opposed you, to making any money as a, exactly and sometimes people lose the the concept of I actually have to sell something I have to build something and I have to sell it I have to collect the cash and I have to support my customers and sometimes people can get carried away with that I think we've always had a very prudent financial control and Jim Coffey has been the one that has implemented that from the very beginning and others in the organisation have followed through on it and then when times are uh, not as good, you have to know when to retrench and when to, to, to haul it back and to focus on what's important, which is building your cash reserves, recurring revenue, absolutely vital in the business and being in control of what you do next. Yeah, so driving driving it forward. You have to be driving. agile. Absolutely. Um, and that's a great word. Um, you do have to be agile. I mean, we, we some of the great decisions we made was developing our software in Finland. That led us into the opportunity to bid for the Finnish government contract, which has turned out to be in the region of 30 million, which is fantastic. The other thing has been uh, to decide when we wanted to really scale in the US. And you have to get the product, the timing and the localization of that all very much aligned. And if you have cash reserves and if you own 100% of the business, then you can make those kind of decisions. Yep. Susan, I mean, technology is changing. And the sort of technology you were doing 30 years ago is redundant now and constantly moving. I mean, what sort of emphasis do you put on R&D? How do you ensure that you're, you're constantly, 
I suppose, on top of the game and know what's coming, but also what's coming next? Um, I think, again, it's been a little bit of our philosophy throughout our growth has been always to invest in R&D. So when times are you know, when times are bad, like in the 2008 time, you know, companies sometimes make the mistake of cutting sales and cutting R&D and you're just well, cutting... Well, easy things to cut. Correct. And that's the wrong thing to do uh, because if you don't invest in particular in R&D and, and in your people, you won't have a future. So... The most important thing to do is uh, invest in R&D and we've probably reinvented ourselves uh, in the 30 years at least four or five times. And what we're seeing today is the emergence of AI technology. So if you say where we are today is we're automating people's um, financial processes and we're using robotics automation to do that. And what we're, our R&D is focused on at the moment is saying, okay, on one side of it, you have a CFO who says, I want to understand uh, how we can predict spend. This is our spend today. And based on a number of uh, attributes, how do I predict what's going to happen in the future? And that helps a management team make better decisions. And on the other side, if you look at it, I want to see the red flags. I want to know the problems. So is there activity across my process which doesn't make sense uh, and are red flags? So we're applying AI technology to real world business processes and helping the management team make better decisions. And, uh, so there's a real impact. It's not Absolutely. simply developing it for just for the sake of it or it looks yeah. cool or you can do whatever. It, it actually has a real world impact. There also always has to be uh, a return on investment. Things have to make sense. And whilst you might say to somebody, look, that looks fantastic and that report looks great, etc. If it doesn't make sense, you, nobody's going to buy it. Susan, you're, you're involved in a lot of other things. Um, going for growth, which is to try and help female entrepreneurs break through and, and scale up. Your Softco has its own foundation. There's a big element there of giving back. Yes, um, I think, you know, you get to a stage where you build up a level of experience and people very kindly ask you for your advice, which is uh, where I got involved in going for growth. And I think it's very important to give back. And in my case, it happens to be going for growth, which is helping other female entrepreneurs get their business to the next level. And I think also, you know, giving back, sometimes you, you, you know, we have a charitable foundation and part of that is certainly supporting things that are close to our heart, such as... Um, cancer research and things like that. And also, I mean, most people, a lot of people mightn't have heard of the company, but they certainly will have come across its name. Uh, you probably, possibly, probably pulled off one of the sponsorship coups of the last 20 years by getting involved with the Irish women's hockey team before they were famous. Yes, before they were famous. That's a really good one, actually. I sometimes say about our products, we're like um, something like the Rolling Stones coming out with their best album after 30 years. Uh, it, everybody loves it now at this stage. But um, the hockey thing, absolutely. We What I will say to you is we've had a strategy over the past number of years of sponsorship and sports sponsorships, probably because we're all sports mad and softco but sports sponsorship at both a local and kind of international level and if I look at the kind of international level you know we've had um, golfers uh, Jez and Hadley for instance in the US and they've done golf clinics with our customers we had when we launched softco 10 we said who's the best number 10 in the world Dan Carter could we get him to be a, a sponsor of our softco 10 and that was fantastic to have Dan Dan Carter oh listen Yes, he is gorgeous. I have to tell you that much. But he's a brilliant rugby player. So um, we certainly uh, had a strategy of doing this in the different markets that we're in. So when uh, Irish Hockey called me, and in particular Joan Morgan phoned us up and said, 
you know, would you sponsor the Irish hockey team? We had been sponsoring the local hockey, hockey team for years, Hermes, which was my team for years. And that's why they phoned us up. But when they contacted us, it, it was a no brainer. At an event in London uh, against one of the matches against England, one of our markets, another match against the USA, another one of our markets. So for us, it absolutely made there. sense. Great absolutely. Synergy. But you couldn't have anticipated the success, though, getting to the world, fi- the world oh, final. Absolutely not. I mean, we went into this because it matched, you know, our brand, um, our brand sponsorship. It matched it and that we didn't have, you know, we the rugby side of things. We had cricket, we had horse racing and the women's hockey team made sense. And when you meet them, they're absolutely fantastic uh, people to meet. They're great ambassadors for women and sport. And it was a great thing to be. So I'm really pleased we were associated with it. And we were just, it was great to the result. Uh, finally, Susan, I mean, I know you talk and mentor with a lot of startups coming up. Uh, what key pieces of advice would you give to young business people or people, not even young, but people thinking of getting into business themselves? Well, I think the most the first thing that's really important is the opportunity. Um, what you've, you've got to see a niche in a market or you have to see something that you can do better than somebody else. Like The global great example of that is Amazon. They started in uh, book retail, they went into general retail and they built AWS because they needed the technology for themselves. And now we're all using AWS and it's the standard. So if you're setting up a business, you need to have the objective of, I want to be the standard in that area. But it also has to be come from a specific niche. Um, a good local example is Marissa Carter from Coco Brown. I know you, you may not, I'm, I'm sure you don't wear her, her fake tan. I'm aware of it though, You're I'm aware, aware of it. Yeah, but she, she was in bed having had a tan and her, her baby and all of a sudden she noticed that the baby's head was orange from her fake tan. And so she said, oh, I have to solve this problem. And that's what she did. She solved, she needed a one-hour fake tan, something that wouldn't put orange on her kid's head and wouldn't look orange. And again, that's the perfect example of something like that. Plus, it can scale. What next for Softco? What next for Softco? I think it's very exciting times. There's things we still, you know, I'd like to achieve going forward. Certainly like to build up the US business. It's a very exciting time for our leadership team as well. Products are great and when you see reaction from you know CFOs don't get excited about technology when you see them get excited about your technology you know you're onto something great so the next stage is to scale the business beyond what it's at at the moment and growing it geographically and through partners Susan Spence co-founder of Softco thank you very much for joining me here today 